for That's What You Get Wednesdays. So today, I am going to be talking about um, a couple of things that I've been I've been diving into. Uh, one of them is uh, mental toughness, and another one is anti-fragility. Um, they they kind of go together, and that's why I decided to kind of tandem it all all together for uh, the episode today. Um, essentially, a lot of the uh, the reason behind this is um, in order to make any sort of change any sort of significant lasting or impactful change into your life you have to plan for for things to be hard um, and if you don't if you don't plan for that for things to be hard then you're setting yourself up for failure and if you if you plan incorrectly if you set your goal on the wrong thing and it's not to say that you can have the wrong goal it's just saying the way that you structure the goal in your mind can be less effective than um than it could be so uh an example would be saying that um i want to be uh the valedictorian of of my school when i graduate or i want to be the top of my class um, whatever the case may be, and you that that may not be a bad goal. The the reason that that is so attractive is that it's there's a there is a public um, aspect to it. There's there um, it's sought after by the people who do well, and the person who gets that accolade is recognized by their peers, by their teachers, by professors, by schools that they're trying to get a get into. And so because it has it has that um that prominence in the public domain, it can be um it can be the thing that that stands out that you really want to go after. And and having that and wanting to accomplish that is cool. It's just it may not be as effective as if you were to frame the goal a little bit differently if you were to frame it in a way that said um i want to i want to learn and understand the the topics that are being taught i I want to have a functional understanding i I want to do my absolute best Um, i want to understand this material better than anyone else because there is a there's an absolute difference between um testing things out um testing on things taking a test on things and doing well and testing things out in the real in the real world on this uh, uh amongst other human beings rather than with your pencil and a scantron so um so yeah that's that's kind of the that's kind of the reason why i wanted to do today's episode so um i think the key here um, when we're talking about mental toughness and anti-fragility is the exposure to hard things. And this is something that I hit on all the time. It goes back to our conversation about courage. It goes back to the conversation about bravery and and what is how you get those things. Because many, many people just they see people that are quote unquote brave um, or quote unquote mentally tough. And they're like, oh, God, I wish I could be that, you know, like I wish I was born with that. And really what you're seeing is a result of what people have gone through in their life. A lot of times people that are mentally tough are those who have had to undergo really hard situations early on in life 
and their only response for survival was to find a way to be mentally tough to and and um and so they they didn't have a choice in order for them to survive they had to become tougher and so you had a more a less stressful upbringing and thus the requirement for you to be so mentally tough at a young age didn't exist for you that's not to say that you can't get it now um it's just a matter of of how how do you do it how do you get more mentally tough and why is it important to get mentally tough that kind of goes into the the lead in what i talked the the intro here in the show a little bit ago um but one of the most important things for trying to accomplish anything is to clearly define the terms and what we're talking about and so a lot of people, um, I actually heard some, a lot of the mental toughness stuff actually comes from a guy, uh, Ben Bergeron. He's, uh, he's a coach in a CrossFit gym and, and is, is really solid. He's on a, he's got his own podcast, uh, with this guy, Patrick, and they, um, it's called Chasing Excellence. And so they talked about mental toughness and he actually did a TED talk on it that you can check out. Um, that's, that's really good. So basically when I think about mental toughness, I think about it as your ability to continue to perform at high levels, even when adversity came up, it's, it's not even, even when it's when like mental toughness isn't performing well at hard parts of a game period. It's, it's performing well after you've screwed up. So like, can you bounce back to the, to the level of performance that you started the game off with, or even, even better than that, if you started off playing terribly, um, or, or, or like, so if you, if you bombed a test, do you throw the rest of the class or do you come back and, and test out again and perform better than you, than you had before? Um, if you, if you're playing football and you just threw three interceptions in the game, are you looking to hand the ball off instead of taking the next pass or are the next 10, 15 passes of yours, uh, short little drop passes to the halfback? Um, did you name drop a client in a, in a sales call? Uh, you know, these, these, all of these things are examples of, of screw ups and op and really any screw up is an opportunity for is is an opportunity period so what you choose to do with it is up to you but it's the more that we look at them as opportunities the more we can practice and put into play this idea of mental toughness um when you when if you're able to if you name drop a client and you're able to to swing in a joke and to to bring in some laughters and break the tension and, and to roll in strong into your content to your sales content um, to be able to move forward, and that's that's huge. It's mentally tough. Um, and then the other term, anti-fragility. So anti-fragile is the name of a book written by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, or Taleb, and um, and this is this is really good. So I'm not even through it yet. I'm probably on chapter ten, I think, of eight nineteen or something like that. So like maybe halfway through. Um, but the idea of anti-fragility. So it's he he basically identified. Uh, so f something that's fragile is something that breaks easily that when it, when it's exposed to, um, time or, uh, mishandling or stress that it breaks easily. 
and so he was trying to figure out what what the antonym what the pure antonym is so a lot of people would say oh it's, it could be mental toughness or it could be toughness or it could be resilience because when you're resilient like it think of it like a shock absorber or like you're you had a shock and it bounces 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 and it's hitting that stress and it's boom 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 and then it goes boom strong right back to where it was before and he he clearly lays out he's like well that's that's good but it's not an antonym to fragility because fragile things that are fragile get hurt by by that bump if it's the opposite it doesn't stay the same after it hits the bump it gets better and so he gives many ideas and examples of this um uh one of them that i like is uh like the like the um entrepreneur this is very fitting for the show right um so the system of entrepreneurs and the system in our economy is improved by the failure of individual entrepreneurs because 15 entrepreneurs fail making a french press coffee device in your kitchen which led to the the french press that you actually have in your kitchen which is the best version of those 15 16 french presses um we all benefit because there were small pains because those pains were there and so um he goes into the importance of like breaking up the pains and basically incorporating those in like i said at the beginning of the show incorporating the idea of risk in because you have um you you have to expect risk you have to expect the fact that things are gonna go wrong and if you don't like i said if you're not if you're not planning for that then uh then you're you're planning to fail like that is that is what you're doing so um that's why i really like um there are many aspects of the of the book and things that i don't necessarily agree with um but i think that there is some really good aspects to um to the idea of anti-fragility and, and how we can try to set ourselves up in a way that is uh, beneficial or that is that we can actually become strengthened through adversity. Um, and it's, it's hard to accomplish both of these things because of our natural instinct um, that's built into us since humans were humans, since before humans were humans, um, a thing called the negativity bias. And if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you've probably heard me talk about it. But for those who are new, please, you know, welcome. First of all, I appreciate you being here. Um, but so negativity bias is a, it's a natural self-preservation method that we use in order to stay alive. So if something bad happens, if we're going out, if like back in the day when we were cavemen, we're going out for a hunt and old Jimmy, because, you know, caveman named Jimmy, common, it's common, it's common caveman name. <laughs> uh jimmy's jimmy and me and a, and a couple of our buddies we're, we're rolling out and we're the strongest and fittest amongst the group and so we're hunting um you know whatever whatever foods are around whatever animals are around and jimmy gets bit by a snake and then jimmy dies because we're cavemen and there's no way to stop death from a poisonous snake so we will always remember it will be embedded in our mind more thoroughly and more clearly than anything else the sound of that snake the hiss the slithering um the way that it it, it, it the sun reflected off of its skin how it moved how 
what the bite mark looked like on Jimmy and, and what he looked like and what his reactions were. All of that's going to be more clear than the walk to get there. Even if we continue and we kill the animal, that's going to stand out. That's going to, that's going to stick in our brain. So every time we go out after that, we're going to see that. And so it's the same thing with any risk. Now that we've, we've shifted in our society, in our, in our life, um, to, to more places of more comfort, it's easy. It is easier now to avoid those kind of, those types of life-threatening risks. And it is, um, it is, it's shifted to other aspects. So it's shifted to social acceptability, which goes back again to the caveman days, because if you weren't socially accepted, you're going to die. They're going to leave you out because you're not beneficial. And, um, and so, so it goes back to that. Now you won't die because your family was probably not going to let you starve because you know, your friends don't like you anymore, but it goes back to that. It goes back to those, those fears are still rooted in our ancient DNA or ancestral DNA that we still carry on today. Um, it's just looking at those, those things that we have the negativity bias towards and, and being able to get over it and past it. And a lot of what we need to do in order to get past that is, uh, figure out how we're self identifying. Like this goes back again, again, like nothing that we talk about here is in a vacuum. So, uh, when we're talking about narrative and self identification, who do you consider yourself to be? Who do you not consider yourself to be? Do you, are you capable of doing math? Um, are you competent can you go and negotiate a deal, um, with a person at the, um, at the car dealership. I've had, it's so interesting. I've had some of the most intelligent, amazing women in my life want a man with them when they go to the dealership because they feel like they're going to be taken advantage of. And I'm like, you're smarter than I am. Like you, you could go there and you're, you're a more aggressive negotiator than I am, but there's something about going there that, that they're scared of because we've built this thing around it and they, they don't think that they're going to get a good deal um, and that they're going to be taken advantage of. So when we're thinking about this and we're thinking about what you're capable of, um, you also want to consider what it is so you want to reframe that, right? You want to frame it up in a way that that's positive, but you also need to think about how, what you're saying influences others, because no matter what position you're in as humans, we are all influencing each other. We are all leading each other, uh, especially when you're in a workplace and you see the same people all the time, your, your traits and habits and rituals are going to going to rub off on other people. People are going to see them and be exposed to them. So whether you realize it or not, your actions impact the lives of those around you. And so you need to think about the the impact that you're having on those people, on those people, and what they're capable of, and and how you're influencing their self identity, because you can help expand that through your natural level of leadership. And here's the thing about about that is. It matters not just what you're doing, but how you're doing it. The specific words that you're using make a huge difference on whether or not your impact is going to be 
significant um, if it's going to be impactful, if it's a, if it's going to make positive, uh, lasting changes. There were a couple of uh, couple of experiments that I'm familiar with that um, um, when I heard uh, on from Ben Bergeron, <clears throat> and it was it was about these young kids who uh, who essentially uh, I forget I don't know I don't remember what grade they were in, but they uh, they essentially started um, they got tested and there were so there were like two groups right so uh, there was a group of kids. Uh, they got tested, and then when they got their results back, they um, the teacher left a note that said, "Hey, you did great. You did a great job on this test, and um, and you you're really smart, you know." And then the other group had, "Hey, you did a great job on this test, and you you worked really hard, and you did it. You did a great job." And then the teachers came around and gave them another test that was at um, like two grade levels higher. And they tested the same group of students again, the same groups of students again. And the students that were told that they worked really hard and that they did well ended up performing significantly better than the ones that were told that they were smart because they were driven to work harder to find the correct answers for the next test where the other ones were like, Oh, I was smart on this one, but I'm not smart because I don't get it. And when you're smart, you're just, you are smart. You either are or you're not. And so if, and if you're not getting, if you're asked a question, you're not getting it. It challenges that identity statement that, yeah, I'm smart. Like, Oh crap. Am I? I didn't know that answer. And then you go to the next question. Like, I don't know that one either. Then you go to the next one. I don't know that one either. And it creates that fragility, that mental fragility and the mental weakness instead of that mental toughness, that ability to, to get one, two, three wrong. And then to turn around and say, yep, I got like, I don't know. I don't know that one, but I'm like, I can, can I figure it out? Can I, is it multiple choice? Can I remove two of those? And of, if I've, I got a 50, 50 chance left, like what, what just sounds right? What makes more sense to me? And, um, and being able to deduce it that way rather than like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And then dropping the work right then and there. Um, and then another one is one I'm pretty sure I saw on Brain Games where there was like a puzzle. And uh, essentially the these, the uh, what would you call them, participants, um, subjects would come in. And there would be a person who wasn't like explicitly a part of like some sort of experiment or whatever. He was just there just like almost like an administrative, like a secretary type person. And he would be like, he would tell him, hey, you know, um, you got like two minutes to try to put all these pieces together in the right order. Um, and it's not really a big deal. Like most people can't do it. So like just just do your best and and you'll be all right. Um, and then uh, for another group of people, he would say uh, another group of individuals, he would say, oh, hey, you know what? This isn't this really isn't that bad. Um you know, like it's, it's, or, or he would, um, he would say, he would say the opposite, right? Um, so if he told one group, like, hey, uh, this is, this is really difficult. Like he told the first group, this is really difficult. Um, and most people fail. Um, people will go and do it with a depleted sense of confidence. Then you tell another people, like, you know what? Like people usually do pretty good on this. Um, and, and you can do it. It actually instilled confidence in people to do better 
when um when they were basically put in the mindset where like they felt like they could accomplish it and so that's just that's the power that we have to positively impact people but it's it's you, it's not something um it's not something that's trivial and it's not something that is mindless like you can't just say oh yeah you're great good job it just goes back to like our the previous conversations that we had about being specific in your praise um and accurate because people know when you're when you're using flattery which is like an insincere version of giving credit versus being sincere. Um, <clears throat> so with, with that, if, if you close yourself off um, to, to these things in life, that you think that you're not good at or think uh, uh things that you don't you you don't know that much about um because of the fear of failure and um because of the negativity bias and, and just wanting to skew towards the more comfortable parts of life um you're doing yourself a real disservice uh i i think that there's and, th and this isn't, again, I want to check the idea that, you know, I'm telling you to drop everything that you're doing. Like, I love the idea of, of pursuing your passions while maintaining, um, a, another profession that, and the skill set that you can fall back on. Um, and, and, and I mean, it can even be to the extreme where like you've developed a skill that you can fall back on. Then you go and pursue your passions hundred percent. Um, and then if you crash and burn, you have a skill set to fall back on to be able to work, uh, that's still tangible if, if that falls through, um, the, in, in anti-fragile, uh, uh, Nassim Taleb, he talks about the, like his barbell approach to high risk and low risk endeavors. Um, and basically like the bar is the separation between the risk levels and it's not, it's not to be thought of as equal. It's just the idea that there's a mass on one side and then there's a gap and then there's a mass on the other side. And so one of those is like a high risk. One of those is like a low risk. And, um, one of the examples, uh, or a couple of the examples that it gives is one is like investing. So if you're investing 10% of your retirement funds, in an extremely risky endeavor that could have huge immense returns but could also fall flat on its face and you offset that with a 90 percent in super duper safe investing uh funds and mutual funds or whatever the case may be like you find the those that are that are diversified and extremely low yield but also um extremely low risk so you have that to fall back on that money's going to be there it may not compete well with inflation, but um, you have that 10% that's, that could be out there and, and quadrupling or, you know, just increasing its mass exponentially. And it, even if it, and it, if it does and it ends up crashing and burning, you still have the 90% of your retirement fund that you had before. So you're, you have, rather than going with that medium level risk, that's like, Oh, I'm putting it in, all in these uh, these mutual funds that are that are pretty good. They might get me like six, seven percent returns. So I'm beating inflation, and but it's not too risky. But like then, if it, if that goes down, if the stock market hits and crashes, you're done because you were all in the that medium risk level. I'm another idea of being on like an airplane. I he was like, I want my flight attendants to be exorbitantly optimistic and and just happy and and know that the flight's going to go well and i want the pilots to be um 
extraordinarily aware to the point of, of potentially even being paranoid about things going wrong with the plane. Um, and that's, again, that's that barbell approach um, of having offset high risk and low risk. Um, and so the same thing, like pursue your dreams and passions, but do so in a way that you've set up, uh, you, you haven't set yourself up for a complete failure um, and for a complete falling on your face. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting, an idea that I'm probably going to dive into on the next show is, is being specific about what it is that you want and being specific about what it is that you don't want. So until we get to that one, start looking into your daily, uh, daily activities and daily life and start identifying those things that you're, you may be a little bit scared of and figure out ways to associate with that. Cause it's one thing to say like, Hey, you know, just start doing things that scare you. Like, yes, I would love if you did that. However, it's not a great selling point. Like, Hey, you know what you're doing is really comfortable. Stop being comfortable. I get it. Not a solid pitch. So what I would ask for you to do is to start paying attention to things that scare you and start learning about the things that scare you. Don't worry. Don't even think about doing it. Just become associated with it. Um, when someone, someone is public speaking, publicly speaking, speaking publicly, you get it. <laughs> when someone's doing that, pay attention. Pay attention to where their eyes are, how they're maneuvering their body, um, how they're relaying information, how they packaged it together. What did the presentation look like? How much was he going off note cards? How, you know, was she, uh, was she searching for words that she used dramatic pauses, you know, whatever the case may be like pay attention to the way that they executed that. Um, read about it, watch videos about it. And like you just, all of this can exist in a world where you're still safe. You still have, but you're, you're starting to, you're touching it. And each time that you touch it, and if you touch it more times every day, you're like, Oh, you know what? I think, I think I could do that. You know, that isn't, or not even that, like, you don't even start to like, that doesn't seem that bad. Like, I bet you I could go out and I could talk to like three people about this thing for a little bit. Um, and, and then it can grow from there, but start looking at those things and start, start taking those little actions. That's a real tangible thing you can do today is pay attention to something that scares you. Do watch a Ted talk about it, watch a five minute YouTube video about it. And, and that's it for today. And then tomorrow do the same thing just pay attention. And, and as you're doing that, your brain's going to start shifting. It's going to start noticing and, and automatically searching these things out and bring them, bringing them to your attention. And then as you watch more and more and more, you're going to start being able to, to almost critique, like, Oh, I see what you tried to do. And it was, it was a good effort, but like you kind of missed the, the ball right there. And had you paused and given this piece of information a little bit later, that would have had a really good effect. You're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm starting to get it. And then you can, you, you will almost naturally be inclined to, to want to participate in that realm. And like, because it's kind of like a competition in the sense that like, I see what the good people have done and I've seen what the people that are trying to be good. And I think that I can be better than them, but it, that, you can't start to get to start with those little things. So please do that. Start with the little things. Pay attention. That's all I want you to do. Just want you to pay attention. And then do a little bit of research and let it build. Let that calm down. So until I see you guys next time, be safe. I love and appreciate all of you. And I will see you here again for our next episode.